The following is a Down with a Dig production. This is Ohio Laborers Union and you, helping laborers understand the benefits of being part of a great union. Welcome to Ohio Laborers Union and you. I'm your guest host, Matt Archer. Today we're going to be talking about workforce development, and that can mean a lot of different things. But what it boils down to is how does the Ohio Laborers District Council ensure it's providing a well-trained and qualified workforce for today's projects and recruit and train the next generation of laborers? To help us explore several of those efforts, we're happy to be joined by Anthony Strassel. He's a member of Labor's Local 1216 in Mansfield and currently an instructor at the Ohio Labor's Training Center. Welcome, Anthony. Good morning, Matt. How are you doing today? Good. So tell us a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Uh, so, yeah, originally I'm from a really small town of Lucas, which is just outside of Mansfield. Uh, we're a one stoplight town. Graduate about 30, 35 kids a year. And, you know, growing up, did you ever have designs on being a laborer? Uh, no, you know, I, I grew up kind of around the atmosphere, just uh, uncles, um, my father as well. But no, uh, during that time, I really wasn't set on anything. Uh, really, uh, my future and career, unfortunately, was kind of the last thing on my mind. So what did you want to do? If you if you were in high school, what what, what did you foresee as your profession? Uh, so at the time, it was just kind of like a lot of kids. I just had... Uh, High expectations to play college football, and that was really the only go you know, goal, you know. Um, and looking looking back, uh, I didn't have any foreseeable future that I was dead set on. Um, and when that didn't happen, uh, a lot of you know uh, kids' dreams or goals don't pan out right away. So uh, my options were kind of limited. So I seen the military as that option for me. So you joined the military. What what branch did you go uh, into? I was in the Air Force. What kind of what kind of jobs did you do, or what was your role in the Air Force? I was an MP. Okay, so Security Forces, Military Police. So you approached the end of your military career. I assume you're probably thinking, you know, do I stay in the military? Do I get out and go somewhere else? What where where was your head then? What 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 did you see as your option? Uh, after that exit plan, uh, when I got home, you know, I didn't really know my options. Um. When you get home or when, you know, you now don't have a career, uh, how do you find one? You know, I, I, I didn't have any college education. I obviously needed to get a job, you know, living on base to now having to find a place to live and then fund that. Uh, I, I didn't know what my options were. So did you go through the Helmets to Hard Hats program? Uh, no. So uh, actually, a family member that was in the union, um, he had offered me the option uh, to work uh, for a contractor. He said, hey, you know, it's, it's a lot of hard work, but I think you'd enjoy it. You know, the pay is very nice. There's benefits. Uh, and uh, at the time, I was look, working at a hog farm uh, making minimum wage sure. uh, with no benefits. So I, I immediately jumped on that. And you became a member of Labor's Local 1216? Yep. Uh, I became a member in uh, 2011 and been ever since. And then you started as an apprentice, correct? Uh, well, actually, uh, I got signed up right as a journeyman. Okay. And now with that, there were there was some benefits, but there was also a lot of struggle. Um, benefits, obviously, you know, you're immediately making that journeyman's rate. Um, but when it came to layoff times, I didn't have any of those credentials uh, on that out of work list. Sure. So it was really hard for a contractor to see value in me. Uh, and worth bringing me onto that job for that contractor just because they didn't know what credentials I had. 
Um, so I uh, went to my business manager at the time and we had talked that it would probably be a good idea for me to go through the apprenticeship program um, for the contractor side and also for me to gain experience in the field. And what does it take to go through the apprenticeship program? How long is that? Um, well, the, the time can vary, uh, but there are cert- uh, certain qualifications that you must reach. Uh, and with those pay raises, it's a thousand working hours each year. Um, and at least, uh, 144 class hours. Um, so depending on how many classes you take a year or how many hours you work a year, as long as you get that thousand, you can always take more classes, uh, to get, you know, higher class hours. But, um, in total, you need 4,000 working hours and you need 432 class hours to graduate the apprenticeship program. So once you had all those classes, did you continue to advance your education and and work on other skills through the training center? Oh, most definitely. I seen the immediate gains after I started taking those classes. Uh, You know, when when you're out in the field um, working day to day, uh, you're really assessed on how valuable you are. Um, And you can be a really, really good worker. Um, but if you don't have the knowledge or if you don't see the concept or the end plan of what the jobs required, uh, it puts a limit on what you can do and then what your contractor can let you do. Uh, so even after I graduated the program, uh, I took as many classes that I could that would help me uh, gain and, you know, just have that little bit of an advantage. Market yourself. Yes. Be- uh, and, and that's uh, as a laborer, that's the biggest thing is you're marketing your name. Who you are, right? Uh, whether that's to your crew, whether that's to your company, another contractor, uh, and to your union hall, right? Um, the more that you have to your name, and the more that you can market yourself as a product, the more valuable you are. You know, it's often said that laboring is just a series of part-time jobs, and you you string all those jobs together, and suddenly you have a career, and you have a retirement, and and healthcare, and everything else, but. In order to get those part-time jobs, you may need one skill on one job and a completely different skill on the next job. And, you know, that training is what you need to be able to be available for that kind of work. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. So did your contractor have a a certain view on training? Did they see it as valuable? Did they encourage you or even require you to go to training? Uh, Yeah. I would say that depending on the contractor – it's it's hit and miss. And what I mean by that is every contractor values the training, um, but the more training you get, the more valuable you are. Uh, so if you're a contractor that works typically year round, uh, the more training you get, the more valuable you are. And then now you're getting more training and now you're unavailable for work. Um, obviously, uh, they're going to be happy, but at the same time, they're going to be missing you for that sure, week. Sure. Uh, but yeah, my contractor, uh, full-fledged, go get all your training, do what you can do to help yourself and help our company. Uh, and it worked out really well. And how does that training translate to the job site? Um, directly. You can immediately take those skills and apply them out to the job. Um, you can go from doing a task and not understanding, again, like I said, concept. But when you get out of that training, one, you have some type of idea, right? You have fluidity in what the job is. Um, you understand some of the process and practices but also huge is those safety aspects that, you know, are talked about through the contractor, but you really understand a deep, you have a deeper understanding for the safety aspect of each job that you're doing and better ways to go about it, which will then make that job more efficient. So you're not going to be an expert 
as soon as you get out of class, you're not going to go to that job site and you're not going to run that job and whatever particular skill that you had just earned. But what it does is it gives you a good, good, good expectation when you get out to that job. Sure. Uh, and, and that's huge. Uh, I remember my first job that I got signed right up out of the hall. The first day I went out to the job, I didn't know what I needed, what I was going to do. And that was scary, you know, it's not and it, and it lacks confidence. So when you get out to that job, I didn't even bring a hard hat. Right. You know, I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Uh, and they basically handed me a hard hat and said, all right, we're going to be jackhammering all day. <laughs> and to not know the proper techniques to jackhammer or some of the safety things to watch out for. And sure. of course, the company gave me a rundown. But just by taking a class, you can go out there with more confidence. And I know that's one thing that really scared me on my first day out on the job. Uh, it's it's always a little bit uh, frightening going out to a first job. Uh, just never, you know, meet that foreman or that crew or whatnot right. uh, because you're being evaluated, essentially. Sure. Uh, but having that training gives you a little bit more confidence and, again, a little bit more of an edge when you get out of there. And talk a little bit about the training for, for those that may not have ever been to the training center. Um, certainly there's podcasts you can listen to, to get more in depth, but talk a little bit about, you know, what, what does a training for a class look, uh, a training class look like at the training center? So yeah, depending on the subject, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get in, uh, and we're going to basically go over the subject material. W what is expected of those trainees or those students that week? And that's uh, in a classroom setting. And, yes, typically. and this is in, in a classroom setting. And I, I would say each class, uh, whatever skill you're uh, you're trying to get that week, I would say it, it's it's about 60, 40 as far as uh, hands-on will be that 60% and the 40% will spend in the classroom. And now that, that, that can flop a little bit. But yeah, uh, we'll basically let the trainees know what we expect of them or what they should expect of themselves that week, uh, what, what their goals and objectives are for that class. Um, and we'll go through, like I said, it, it, we'll, we'll start in the classroom and we'll really focus on one safety and operation. Uh, you know, safety is huge safety and operation because you can be more efficient, the safer you are and how to operate whatever skill or piece of equipment that we're trying to teach you that week. Um, and then we go out and we make it happen. We literally, whatever that job may be for that skill, we practice it. We do that job. And it's just like it, in, in some situations, it's just like a work week. Absolutely. The, the training center has the facilities to be able to mimic a job site. Amazing. They really are. So we jumped a little bit ahead there. How did you go from being a laborer, working for a contractor, to becoming an instructor and being able to, to transfer those skills that you've learned onto the <clears throat> next generation of workforce? Well, I would say it kind of started once I seen the gains that I was able to make. Uh, with my job, which then I seen because of the training, a career. Uh, and that's a huge step that I took and that I was allowed to take. And I knew that that's something I always wanted to do. Uh, once I seen how much it helped me and my family, uh, I really definitely wanted to be able to help other individuals like that. Uh, and, I, and, you know, I got the opportunity. We were talking at a union meeting and the job became available. They had mentioned, hey, there, there is an opening. And I felt that at that time, it was really, the cars were in my, in my favor to do such, to do that. And you also got involved with your, your local union hall, correct, in Mansfield? Uh, yeah, Matt. That was another thing that was an eye-opener for me. Uh, and I got to give a lot of credit to our business manager, uh, Jeff Sellers. Uh, there was a time to where I needed work. 
And that's one thing as laborers that I know I did, but I think some might as well is, you know, you take it for granted is that one thing that we never have to worry about is really searching hard for a job. Uh, and I know that's a, a big issue for, for a lot of people. You know, and I had went to the hall and I had talked to Jeff and right away on the out of work list. And because of my skills, a job came up the next day. Sure. Uh, and to see that uh, in what he and the executive board at that time did for our members, especially me, uh, I started to get involved more with our union. Um, literally just diving in whatever I could do to help, uh, whether it be stuff on the weekends, parades, making sure I'm at every union meeting, really, really understanding what we're about. And do you hold any position with the local union now? Uh, yeah, I am on the executive board. Uh, been on the executive board for about a year now. And, and what does that role entail? So basically on the executive board, we do whatever we need to do uh, financially, politically, or socially for our hall and for our members. We're there for our members. Um, and that might be where we need to move funds, uh, where we're spending our money, uh, politicians that will stand for us and back us uh, so that we know to back them. And then socially, we, we have the opportunity now to get involved with the community. Um, we're able to help, uh, like now during this time, food banks, sure. uh, different things like that, sponsoring sports teams, uh, schools. Um, but yeah, basically, it all comes down to the good and welfare of our members, what we can do best for them. Great. Where do you see technology playing a role in laboring in the future? Well, I think you can see it right now. It's unreal, not just with where we've come with safety, but just the advances in the equipment in general, how much more efficient they are, uh, how much safer they are. But then in the future, you know, we're already getting into uh, drone classes. Uh, I had the opportunity to do a full exoskeleton tryout and I think it was Virginia Tech came to the training center right. and we got to try all those out uh, literally put them on and it, and it helps with stability strength uh, which prevents injuries longer working periods and you know that's something that I never even thought of right you know literally putting on a full upper or lower body exoskeleton uh, to help perform a task sure so what advice would you give to apprentices and journey persons about training I would say taking as much as you can Take in as much as you can, uh, because as a journey person or a journeyman, you're never too old to learn a new skill or a new trade or too journeyed to think that you know everything, even on a skill that you already know. Right. You can always freshen up on even a safety aspect or a new technique or new things that are available. Or a new technology like we exactly. just talked about. Uh, and then as those apprentices is you're never too young to advance. I mean, I'm 31 years old. Uh, and I'm blessed to be in the positions that I'm in. Uh, so you're never too young to advance. So the more that you take in and the more you push yourself, you're your only limit. Where do you want to go in this organization? What's next on your horizon? I don't want there to be any doubt that I care deeply for this organization uh, and the people who are a part of it. Uh, that's why I'm in the position I'm in now. Um, and I want to seize every opportunity and whatever that may be. And I want to make the most of it, whatever position or title or opportunity that is. I want to make sure that I, whatever that opportunity is, I 
make the most of it. How did you get hired as a laborer? Uh, well, I was given the opportunity. Um, a family member was already working for a union co- union contractor, um, and they were looking to hire uh, a couple more laborers, and that position was offered to me. So I got hired on by the contractor, and they signed me up as a journeyman. Uh, so basically, when I went there, the contractor comes out and signs you up strictly as a journeyman. Uh, so you didn't come in through the apprenticeship no, program? No, I didn't come in through the apprenticeship program. I came in through a contractor, and, and that works a little bit different. Sure. Um, now with that, uh, I noticed some of the, I guess, imperfections of that because I wasn't able to gain skills. Right. Uh, I just knew what I was doing on that crew and on that job. Uh, so then when it came for our layoffs, it really hurt me on the out-of-work list. Because basically what that employer looks at as you market yourself is your name and then the skills that you have and what tasks that you can do. And I had none. Uh, So uh, after that first layoff, I uh, went and talked to my business manager and we really seen it would be more beneficial to me uh, to go through the apprenticeship program. Tell me about your family. What do they think of you as labor? Uh. I would think that they're proud. I mean, they always they always talk about dad. You know, we could be driving down the road and dad built this or dad ran this job right. or whatnot. But yeah, I have an amazing wife of eight years, uh, four kids. I have three girls and a boy. Wow, congratulations! So, yeah, uh, and they're they're a big part of this. Uh, sure, uh, very blessed to be able to support them and for them to support me, especially my wife. So. Uh, it's it's a very important thing, and I think that's one thing that the union offers too is that sense of family, uh, which kind of brings everything together. Sure, you know they say you should keep your family and work like life separate, but I think with the union, uh, whether wh- whatever position is, uh, they really bring those together because it's important on both sides. A, a lot of laborers tend to focus on a certain uh, job skill, be it demolition or traffic control or, or something like that. Did you have something you really focused on or really enjoyed doing? I would see, say primarily uh, I focused on underground utility work. Okay. Uh, so that would be storm and sewer and water mains, uh, a lot of trench work. Um, but with that, with the first contractor that I worked with, that contractor did really about everything. So that's why the apprenticeship program really helped me is because I had to learn how to do about everything. Sure. Broad and on, skill set. And on the job training, uh, when you got to get a job done, uh, it, it's hard to learn that much. But I would say, yeah, primarily underground utility work, uh, but a lot of concrete, a lot of dirt work. Have you seen a change in contractors on how they see the training center and, as a resource? Yeah, um, most definitely. A good example of this is my father-in-law is a contractor. He's been a contractor for 40 years, a smaller contractor, residential work. And I told him about what we do at the training center. And he was baffled because he was telling me, he's like, you know how hard it is when I get a new guy on the job and he knows absolutely nothing, you know, none of the safety aspects, uh, even job skills. I mean, nothing. So you, you think about the time that is spent training, teaching the safety skills, uh, what tools to use, proper tools, and, and proper ways to do a job. And, and I think contractors really are really seeing the value of that uh, just in even job site, 
but then even management positions, you know, you, you're seeing these guys coming out of this apprenticeship program with much more skill and knowledge on whatever job they're doing. And they're able to progress into those, you know, foreman or leadership roles. And it helps with safety, which financially helps that contractor on the aspect of whether it be workers comp insurance, stuff like that. But then too is they're getting the jobs done quicker, maybe profiting more. Uh, sure. you, you see a huge financial gain, but then the responsibility aspect, you, you can trust uh, your laborers more uh, to do the job or make decisions that need to be made. And do it safely. And do it safely. And even politicians are taking notice, correct? The lawmakers, they're seeing that the laborers have this great training center. You don't need a college degree to be able to, to provide for your family. You can earn while you learn through an apprenticeship program. And it, it's a great program uh, available to Ohioans. Yeah, exactly right, Matt. And I think that's one of the things that we always say as laborers is, you know, strength in numbers, right? Well, now you put that strength in numbers and you put a lot of knowledge and skill behind it with your trade, with your safety. And yeah. that's really that's really scary for other non-union contractors, you know, because uh, we put ourselves on a next level. And those, those politicians, uh, they're really starting to see the value in that. Um, and I think we're we're sitting pretty well uh, for the future. And we pay for it all ourselves. It's all 100% uh, contractor paid uh, as part of the benefit package for our laborers. We don't take any outside money to, to provide that training, correct? Yeah, uh, and, and that's huge. And that, and that also gives us another advantage to um, the upgrades that we're allowed to do at the training center or are, are able to do um, because of us being self-funded. We're not relying on other people to make our make these upgrades or figure out what we want to do, where we want to go with with our membership, uh, and with that, we don't ever owe anybody anything. Correct, except our members. And that's right. <laughs> so you mentioned exoskeletons. How are the tool manufacturers, uh, like the exoskeleton manufacturers, viewing the training center? Are they seeing it as a as a testing ground or a a way to introduce these new tools to the next generation of laborers? I think both. I mean, whatever the new technology is, especially the exoskeletons right now, because we've seen it firsthand, um, we are a testing ground. But at the same time, you know, it, it's it's a pathway to uh, the best type of laborers that would use those tools. So whether it be making adjustments, uh, getting it out there to contractors, uh, to give those manufacturers an idea of to uh, make their product better, but also make it more accessible to those best companies that are going to use it. So Anthony, if anybody wants to know more about the training centers, is there a place they can go to find out more? Uh, yeah, you can go to OLTC.org. Uh, we also have, if you type in the Ohio Labor's Training Center on YouTube, we do have a YouTube channel as well on there. A lot of good information on there. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us a little bit about your story. Matt, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Ohio Laborers Union and you. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to tell your friends. We're always here to try to tell you the most recent updates on what's going on with the Ohio Laborers Union. Views and comments on this program may not be those of the Ohio Laborers District Council or of LIUNA. This has been a Down with the Dig production.